Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today is Friday, June 30th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 321, featuring stadium basketball analyst and CLNS host Jeff Goodman, is brought to you by betonline.ag. Go to clnsmedia.com slash Celticsbeat. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your next deposit. Well, NBA free agency officially tips off Sunday night at 6, but we may have gotten a hint to Danny Ainge's plans when he was asked earlier this week about the character of his new rookie class. Just makes life more enjoyable when everybody is humble, hardworking, and will play any role that they have to to help a team succeed. You do have to have a certain amount of talent to win in our league, as we all know, but good people is it makes makes coming to work more fun. Many wondered if Ainge was throwing shade at Kyrie Irving, maybe the team's overall self-absorbed, egocentric demeanor last year that we all bitched and moaned about constantly. Maybe it was both, or possibly he was just stating what he wants in a player and why he drafted these guys. And sounds like he found another all-star of that very character. With Kyrie Irving on his way out in Boston, Kemba Walker is looking at the Celtics, and they are more than a strong front runner. They are oh, in position to sign him uh, when the moratorium ends on July 6th. They could have a commitment as soon as Sunday night. That's ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. You probably know that. You're used to following along with all the Woj bombs and Choms and everybody else. And another guy who tends to break news every once in a while, Jeff Goodman, stadium basketball analyst, host of the Good and Plenty podcast right here on the CLNS Media Network. Jeff, great guest anytime, but especially now because he covered Kemba Walker during his time at UConn, knows the guy well. Jeff, how are you, bud? I am. Uh, I'm doing great. Doing great. Just uh, excited to kind of see what happens here in the next week or so and uh, when they get Kemba, uh, which it certainly looks like is going to happen uh, unless something crazy transpires at the uh, 11th hour and then uh, see how they fill out the roster, what big guy they get. That's probably the bigger question right now. And all things that we're going to touch on here over the next little while so people strap in, get comfortable. And, you know, as we heard, and right there from Woj, from you, Celtics are the reported front runners to sign Kemba Walker away from the Hornets, who don't appear to want to give him the Supermax or, frankly, anywhere close to it. Stephen A. Smith went on TV, said Charlotte has offered five years 160, which is less per year than the four for 140 he can receive from Boston. So Michael Jordan is, you know, a, a basketball legend on the court, but continues to be called out in question as an owner and a, a guy running a franchise there in Charlotte. But on Walker, he 
turned 29 last month, so he's obviously a few years older than Kyrie Irving. He's coming off a career year, third-team All-NBA, uh, averaged about 26 points, six assists, almost five rebounds, a steal a game, three-time All-Star. He's durable, played at least 79 games each of the last four seasons, missed a total of six, no headaches, a leader, all that stuff. But first, and this goes back to what you were just talking about, do you believe this is a done deal? Can we confidently say right now Kemba Walker is going to be a Celtic? Well, I don't think you can confidently say it yet until it happens. But also, Kemba is probably not the type of guy to be wowed uh, by a team if it is somebody like the Lakers coming in uh, at the 11th hour. That, that's not him. I mean, he's not a glitz and glamour type of kid. He's more of a lunch pail guy. You know, this is a kid who was, you know, at one point a mid-major recruit uh, back his junior year in high school, didn't really care, just wanted to go to UConn. That was his dream school. Uh, but, again, I, I, everything that my sources have told me, whether it's Celtic sources, whether it's sources close to Kemba, have all told me expect Kemba Walker to end up in Boston. This may not be something that you can acknowledge even if the answer is yes, but have you spoken with Kemba at all? I have not. I've tried to text him. Uh, he has not gotten back to me, which, again, I, I, that doesn't surprise me right now. I mean, sure. listen, you, you're trying to keep a low profile until this thing is done. Uh, I'll hope to speak to him certainly uh, after, you know, it, it becomes official, if and when it becomes official. Well, you talk about the fact that, that he's not someone who's likely to be wowed, and I think we've seen free agents over the years fit that category. But there are also guys that – still look at it and say, all right, well, if I'm actually leaving, if I'm not staying with the team that I've been with my whole career, I want to just enjoy this process a little bit. It's like getting recruited to college. Teams are going to be lining up to give me max money. You mentioned the Lakers. There's the Clippers as well. Do you think, and and this is just speculation, again, goes off of some of the stuff that's already been reported and what we've heard, but do you think Kemba is, if in fact he is comfortable already with the Celtics and Brad Stevens and, and coming back to New England and all of that. Is it something you could see coming down 6 p.m. or shortly thereafter Sunday night, or do you think he's, even if he feels good about where what he's going to do, he may want to take meetings with the Lakers or Clippers just to hear pitches? Yeah, I don't think that's him. Again, I you know, I think Kemba's a guy who goes on field uh, as much as anything, and uh, he's trusting uh, you got to remember too. He, he's got a lot of people uh, around him that know Brad Stevens well. He's been in the league long enough too that he's talked to enough players about Brad Stevens. He was just in France uh, with Jason Tatum mm-hmm. on that kind of on that Jordan trip, so I'm sure they talked. So uh, again, I think Kemba's a guy that doesn't need uh, to to run through the gamut of the meetings. Uh, you know. I, that's just not him. Although, again, Kawhi's going through a few meetings, and that's not him either. So sometimes you're doing that strictly to get information, uh, but a lot of guys are doing it again, like you said, to be recruited, right, to feel good about it, to see how much other teams want him. I think the Celtics have made it abundantly clear to Kemba Walker in his camp and his agent, Jeff Schwartz, uh, that they want him, that, that he's their priority, that he's been their priority here uh, since they knew – really that Al Horford was was uh, not going to take their offer and, and take this offer of this mystery team uh, of four years and what I'm told is somewhere in the $115 million range. 
Do you? I, I want to do a lot more on on Kemba, obviously, but just since you brought up Al right there and and the fact that it's a mystery team, it feels like people have been going down the list of you know who is it, who has the space, who who can it be, who doesn't have the need for him, who might want a guy like Horford, yada yada yada. Yeah. Do you have a, a list of one, two, three teams that you believe it most likely is, or or is it just a guessing game? It's a guessing game. I mean, listen, I thought it, I had heard Dallas was the one until Mark Stein put out there that everything that he's been told is that it's not Dallas, and I'm not going to ever go against Mark Stein with the Dallas Mavericks. Mm-hmm. He lives in Dallas. He, he has more familiarity. He's he's more locked into that franchise than any reporter on the planet. <laughs> uh, so when Mark Stein says it's not Dallas, I'm going to believe him. Uh, could it be the Clippers? Maybe. I mean, again, I think here's the deal to me is – there's got to be somebody out there. I don't think his agent, Al Horford, uh, his agent is, is a straight-up guy. I don't think he's going to be playing this game unless there's something real secure with the team. And I don't know who it is. I mean, again, people are saying, you know, the Sacramentos of the world, uh, somebody like that. I just don't see Al Horford also going to a situation where he's not going to have a chance to at least be in the playoffs as a lock playoff team and have a chance to go deep in the playoffs. Obviously, you know, you're talking the Celtics offer, you'd be leaving, you know, maybe $30, $40 million on the table. He's not going to do that on his last contract. And I don't blame him. I mean, this is it for him. That's a lot of money, $30, $40 million at the end of the day uh, to leave on the table. So I don't blame him. um, But you also, if you're him, you don't want to play for a a franchise right now that's just, you know, trying to get in the playoffs. You want to play for somebody that, ultimately has a chance to go deep. And I, and I think one of the big things for him, one of the big issues last year was Kyrie Irving and Kyrie's now gone. So you thought that would maybe give the Celtics a better chance, but ultimately that fourth year on the deal, that was a game changer for Al Horford. Yeah. You know, a lot of people have talked about what is or isn't an indictment on the Celtics or on Horford. And I, I tweeted this out. My feeling is so if Al Horford if this mystery offer exists because people keep talking about comparable money 110 112 115 million dollars like you just brought up if that offer over four years is really out there it doesn't matter who the hell the team is you're not going to blame Al Horford for leaving Boston to get that money because that wasn't going to be offered by Danny Ainge and quite frankly shouldn't have been so I'm totally fine with that if he goes somewhere for less money than Boston even offered him to stay but it's a contender, and he's chasing a ring. He's 33. Again, that makes sense. The only time where it really doesn't add up, and I don't think this will happen anyway, is if he goes to a place that is not a contender, not a true contender, and it's for comparable money that he could have gotten staying in Boston, then that is somehow an indictment on the franchise. A thousand percent. Then you start to worry, okay, what was it? It was more than just Kyrie Irving. I'm with you. I, I don't think that's the case. Again, everything I'm hearing is it, it is a four-year deal, and Danny Ainge does not want to tie himself up with a guy who's going to be, you know, 36, 37 years old in years three and four of that deal, understanding that there's going to be a significant drop-off with Al Horford uh, at that stage. There already has started to be a little bit of, of a slip. I mean, you've seen it. Obviously, Al's Al. He brings every intangible Uh, so cerebral, great on both ends of the court, but he's not the same player he was three, four, five years ago. That's just, that's the reality of the situation. And, and again, to tie him up for a four year deal, you're really hampering yourself, um, you know, in 2000, whatever it's going to be 23. 
Yeah, and if he's gone, we wish him well. Best of luck. And he he was the team's best player in the playoffs last year as well. But uh, and the best know, dude. I mean, always oh, great. The best guy. Like, listen, nobody has anything bad to say ever about Al Horford. And honestly, you could say the same thing about Kemba Walker. I have never, ever, ever heard anybody say anything negative about Kemba Walker, who's played with him, against him, who knows him. Um, he, he's that high character of a guy. And, uh, you know, that, that's the one thing. At least you're bringing in somebody. And, and, and as you mentioned earlier, I mean, from Danny's clip, you know, he, he's prioritizing character, which I think it has a lot to do with the head coach. Because I think if Danny Ainge is coaching right now, he's not prioritizing character like he is with Brad Stevens as a head coach. Danny Ainge, it's more about talent. He, you know, he's played and coached with, you know, Larry Bird and Charles Barkley and, you know, big egos who, who who weren't great leaders, and I think he could deal probably as a coach with Kyrie a lot different than Brad. Brad just that's not him. He's not going to be able to deal with a guy like Kyrie the same way Danny could as a coach. There's a curtain to get behind there. There's there's a lot in what you just said that I think a lot of people haven't necessarily thought much about. Does Brad Stevens and I know he's under contract for a while, so is Danny. But does Brad have more? power is not the right word, influence than your typical NBA coach. Because there is, you know, there are so many situations that you can look at around the NBA where the the exec, the GM will say, look, doesn't matter what you want. It's what I want. I'm trying to build a winner. You figure it out. And that's kind of what Danny may have been doing over the last year or two when he brought in Kyrie in the first place. And we saw the residual effects. It didn't work out. But there have been other reports over the years say, and I don't know what's true or not. You can weigh in, but say, DeMarcus Cousins, like Danny wanted him, Brad didn't. Character issue. Kyrie Irving, Danny would have loved to have brought him back. Maybe Brad wouldn't have. Is Danny making it more of a focus, and, and you just alluded to this, so maybe the answer is yes. Is he making it more of a focus to build within Brad's vision as opposed to what he feels as a GM is best for the team? Well, I think vision and system. I, I think any good GM would do that, right? I mean, you, you got to know your coach. It probably took a little while. Uh, for Danny to get to know Brad. I mean, before he hired him, yeah, he watched him at Butler, but he didn't know him well. So I think it probably took a couple years to understand uh, again. And and I think this year was probably the most glaring uh, understanding that, yeah, you probably don't want to put a guy like Kyrie. Now, again, I'm not sure anybody can coach Kyrie. I'm I'm not sure anybody. You could have filled Jack, whoever you put out (laughs) there, whatever their credentials, I don't know if it matters for Kyrie Irving, but uh, certainly I think Brad's a guy uh, that I think connects with people very well. I, I know something was written recently where, you know, the communication uh, wasn't there with a lot of the players. They didn't know their roles. I understand that part of it, that them not knowing their roles because their roles changed throughout the year. They had enough dudes on this team. They were going through a lot of stuff in terms of injuries, ups and downs, whatnot. And sometimes I think that that's a strength of Brad, that he could take a guy off a bench that maybe hasn't played for five games and all of a sudden just toss him in there. And, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And there are other times when players want to know, what's my role every single night? Well, that's not always the case. I mean, remember, he, he sat Jason Tatum, I forget, in the playoffs a year ago uh, when he was playing well. He would sit him because defensively he wasn't playing the way he should have. So I, I think, again, uh, communication with Brad, I think, is there. 
But I think some of the players, yes, they want more definition with their roles. And you don't always get that with Brad Stevens because he's going to go on field sometimes and he's going to hold guys accountable. Uh, even guys that, that maybe a lot of other coaches wouldn't sit, I, I think he'll do it for the betterment of the team. Let's spin it back to Kemba, and and you know you brought up the France thing. Maybe in the same way we used to talk about Isaiah Thomas recruiting Al Horford at the All Star Game, recruiting Gordon Hayward. Maybe we give Tatum some credit for recruiting Kemba Walker. We can get a story about that down the line if if in fact that was a thing. But Walker provided this happens, and and we all assume it will. Thirty two point seven million in year one, a max slot for for about one forty. That means Irving, Horford, both gone. That was expected anyway. Terry Rozier, Marcus Morris, their rights will be renounced. There's no room to bring those guys back and and short of a massive trade exception that's wildly unlikely. You can't somehow, because people keep asking this, you can't somehow turn things around and bring Horford back. It's not going to happen. He's not coming on short money or you know room or mid-level exceptions, any of that stuff. I know you love Walker the player, and I know everyone's excited about the fact this team is just going to be more likable, but what do you think about the fit on the whole when, when you're bringing him in? Because I, I don't know that I share the, the same opinion as most, and I'll give you that in a sec. I don't care. Listen, likability is one thing, okay? Like, yes, Kemba's going to be likable. The, the city of Boston is going to love this guy because, again, he's kind of the anti-Kyrie Irving in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, he's always upbeat. He's always smiling. Uh, Kyrie was, was moody, um, all of that. But forget that, okay? To me, it's more of like with the team, in the locker room, the chemistry you know, I talked to Frank Kaminsky for a while yesterday, who's played with him last few years in Charlotte. And, and what he said was, and this is what I worried about. I said, you know, what about Kemba as a leader? Because that's important here. Is he going to be like Al Horford? Because the Kemba that I've known well is kind of more reserved, more quiet. He said, no, no, Kemba will get into guys. He just does it the right way. He's got everybody's back, and everybody in the team understands that and knows that. He's the type of guy when, when we go out on the road, he invites everybody and pays for everybody. So, like, Kemba just gets it. He gets team. And I think the biggest uh, misconception perception with, with Kemba is, well, all he does is score, right? All he does is score. you got another scoring point. He's just going to look for his own and can't make people better. My answer to that would be, um, who are the players he's had in Charlotte? Who are the, like, who's the best player he's had in Charlotte? It's Al freaking Jefferson at the end of his time. He's got guys like Marvin Williams, Cody Zeller, Michael Kidd Gilt. I mean, a bunch of honestly mediocre NBA players that he's had to play with over the years. He's never had enough around him. But I think if you give him Tatum and you give him a healthier Hayward and you give him Jalen Brown in this system, by the way, which is going to be getting up and down. So Jalen Brown, to me, uh, should be the happiest one on the planet for more than one reason, because obviously you could see he and Kyrie didn't exactly, it was like fire and ice. Yeah. Uh, but but the fact of the matter is Brad wants to play fast. With Kemba, you're going to play fast. That fits Jalen Brown. That will give other guys more opportunities to get buckets in transition, which is what every kid wants to do, every player wants to do these days anyway. Uh, so I think you're going to see Kemba going from a guy who averaged five assists I wouldn't be shocked at all if he averages eight assists this year uh, for the Celtics because he's got guys that can actually put the ball in the basket. On that same note, former UConn coach Jim Calhoun, a guy that I'm certain you know well, he told NBC Sports Boston he doesn't believe that Walker is going to hinder 
Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown's development at all. 25 points a game, so he can bring a lot to Boston. Obviously, very few point guards in the league can do that. He's almost unstoppable going to the rim, which makes no sense for a five foot ten guy to do that. But he does it. But I think the big thing is that he makes Tatum. Okay, he makes Brown. He helps Gordon Hayward come back. He makes a lot of terrific players be exceptional players. And that's the thing I think that there are very few guys that you're going to get in basketball. Not only are they really good, but they make others better, both psychologically, winning-wise, and, I mean, he can really pass the ball. I mean, he averaged like six assists a game and five rebounds and 25 points. Special talent. He brings special things to his teammates. Trust me, I I was always amazed how much his teammates loved him and followed him. So, truthfully, Jeff, I didn't even really need to play that. Jim just kind of regurgitated a lot of the stuff yeah. that you said anyway, but, it, it, you know, like minds, and, and obviously that coming from a guy who coached him, but... You know, I tweeted yesterday, and and I'm definitely in the minority, and that's fine. Uh, I was in the minority, by the way, when I didn't like the Kyrie Irving trade, and that thing blew up. But, um, you <laughs> yes. know, I, I, I love Kemba Walker, so let's just put that out there. I, lo- I love the the man, what he stands for, everything you hear from him, and I don't know him personally as you do. I love the player. I'm just not positive that he's the right fit with this current Celtic situation. When you factor in he's 29, again, surrounded by younger guys, there are no bigs to speak of, and Robert Williams is not going to be the starting center on this team. The impact on the salary cap and the lack of, of really any, as we speak right now, flexibility that exists it's another undersized, ball-dominant point guard who's, you know, Isaiah Thomas times a billion, obviously, but still it's more of that mold than what we saw with Kyrie. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. You don't believe he's going to take away from the development of those guys. We don't know what Hayward is going to be if he'll be no, his old self. Add. Yeah, he's, well, he's and, and, and I hope he does. I hope he does. You know, I, I'm just not sure the timeline allows when it comes to developing the younger guys and and the fact that this group still isn't isn't a contender versus re-signing Rozier who's a lightning rod to people now people hate him now re-signing Rozier acquiring uh, Malcolm Brogdon or D'Angelo Russell if you don't prefer that and adding a big like Nick Vucevic or Brooke Lopez but you know you give me your thoughts I like Terry Rozier I've been a huge Terry Rozier guy ever since I saw him play multiple times uh, at, at Louisville. And, and so I practiced multiple times at Louisville. In fact, I was probably the first one to say, like, I think this kid's a lottery pick. Um, but Terry Rozier is somewhere in between what he did in the playoffs a year and a half ago and what he did this year. I think he's a middle-of-the-road point guard uh, in the league uh, who's not a great shooter and not a great decision maker. Uh, he's tough as you know what. Uh, I, I love his tenacity. I love I love most things about him. But but again, to me, you you need high high level talent. You need all stars, but you need the right ones. As we saw this past year, it just mm-hmm. didn't work with with Kyrie. I think Kemba again is going to absolutely aid in the development of the young guys. I think he'll take a step back when necessary. He's not all about himself, uh, so I think he's going to um, prioritize making Tatum, making Jalen Brown, getting Gordon Hayward back to what he is. He doesn't have that ego. He's just very, very unassuming uh, in so many different ways. Um, Don't look at the numbers, the the shooting percentages. When you look at Kemba Walker, again, it's hard to because of who he's had to play with over the last few years. He didn't play with LeBron James and, and Kevin Love like Kyrie did his last few years in Cleveland. So, obviously, his shooting numbers are not going to be the same. Everybody knew, every team knew, when you went up against Charlotte the last couple of years, all you had to do was stop Kemba to win. They didn't worry about anybody else. Nick Batum, come on. Nobody cared about Nick Batum or 
Michael Kid Gilchrist or Cody Zeller or Marvin Williams or all these dudes. I mean, they were, they were again, they were kind of just average players. So I, I just feel like, again, you got to get stars in this league, but you got to get the right ones. And I think Kemba is the right one. Are you overpaying for him? Yeah, but you're overpaying for anybody. I mean, if you got Vucevic and you pay him $30 million, hmm. you don't think you're going to say to yourself, what the hell are we doing paying a big that really can't guard? Yeah, he could score, no doubt. So you could have Rozier and Vucevic, who are, to me, you know, two not mediocre. They're, they're certainly good players. But to me, neither are all-star caliber players. Or you can get Kemba. And the key here is going to be, listen, Kemba can't do it himself. He can't be the number one guy for a team that wins it all. Okay, he can't. You need Tatum to develop into that. Tatum's got to be an all-star, a number one guy. And listen, uh, if you know me well enough, you, you know where I stand with Jason Tatum. I mean, I, I think he's an absolute stud. I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer at the end of his career. And I think now he gets the opportunity to grow instead of what I think happened with Kyrie, which is Kyrie tried to treat him like LeBron treated Kyrie, like his little brother of like, hey, this is, this is what you're going to do. Uh, I, I'm still the star of this team. I'm still going to determine kind of what you do and how you do it. And Kem is not going to give a shit about any of that. He's just going to let him go. Let's take a quick break to tell you today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. NBA season's over. Doesn't mean you can't still make money on basketball. You can already bet on who's going to win the 2020 title. Lakers, plus 350. Celtics, at least right now, plus 1,800. Things are going to change once all these players start moving around and signing elsewhere. So, you know, will the Lakers add Kyrie? Will they add Kawhi? Will they add a third guy? Will Kemba, in fact, go to Boston, as we all believe? Or is he going to make a trade to add another established vet, a big? We'll find out. You can also make custom player bets during games. You can pick a player and a stat. BetOnline.ag will give you a line for it. And odds already out for player props for next year, like Zion Williamson in New Orleans. His points per game set at 18.5. What do you think? Too high? Too low? Make a bet. Make sure you go to clnsmedia.com slash Celticsbeat. Get a 50% bonus on your first deposit of at least $25 when you sign up and use the promo code CLNS50. Don't be left on the sideline with all this excitement going on on the court. Plus, you can play in BetOnline's virtual casino, make some money there too. Whatever you do, make sure you use BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your first deposit of at least $25. Go to clnsmedia.com slash Celticsbeat. See BetOnline's general rules for additional terms and conditions regarding bonuses. All right, let's get back to Jeff. So I believe in Tatum as, as much as you do, and I you know, I, I was fully in the camp of I wouldn't have dealt him for Anthony Davis. And and by the way, I said that two years ago and took a lot of crap for it and, and felt, yep. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying this because I felt vindicated that Danny wouldn't do it either. Well, at least, you know, he and I share a yep. mind. But listening to everything that you just said, you know, my head goes to if Kemba's not the number one, and I agree, he's not a number one, and Tatum is supposed to grow into this number one, and, and we can talk more about what he needs to do this year versus last year when he was more stagnant what does that mean for Gordon Hayward because Gordon Hayward certainly two years removed from the injury when the season starts doesn't want to be what he was last year he wasn't happy in the role he wasn't happy in his production he wasn't confident he wasn't fully physically where he needed to be but a a year removed from that debut he should be or at least he, he he damn well better be for for the money they're paying him like the you know the the understanding and the sympathy is going to be done. Now it's Gordon, you need to go out and be what you were the last year in Utah. 
But if Tatum is supposed to step up and in time over the next couple of years become develop into that number one guy, what does that mean for Hayward? What is his place on this team? Is is he the number three right now? And that's the beauty of it all, right? I mean, the beauty of it is that now Gordon Hayward, where we were talking a week ago, had to be like 1B along with Tatum. Now he can be the number three guy because – But think, is he content again, with start, that? I mean, again, I think it's going to change. I think it's going to change from game to game if Gordon Hayward gets back. No, he won't be content with being the number three guy if he's the old Gordon Hayward in Utah, the all-star Gordon Hayward. Um, but I think he's going to get more reps now. I think what you saw, again, last year you had too many mouths to feed. Right now, you probably have too few, right? You probably have too few. You probably need one more big guy. Uh, but ultimately, it, it didn't work with having too many guys. Uh, now I think you're going to have uh, more role definition, again, depending on what happens here uh, going forward and if they, you know, if they look to move a Jalen Brown, which I still would do. I'd still dangle Jalen Brown and the Memphis pick, and see what you can get. I'm not saying I would do something just to do it, and I still don't believe Jalen Brown's trade value is at its peak like it was, you know, a year and, and, and change ago, right? I mean, it was – that's when I would have traded Jalen Brown, to be honest, coming off the playoff run. But I think his value is going to go up again, again when, I, when I talked about playing in, in the system up and down. That's where Jalen Brown shines, right? Put him in the half court does not really fit Jalen Brown. Uh, but you get him in transition, uh, that's when he looks like an all-star. So to me, I, I might dangle him now, and then if you if you don't get what you want, uh, you know, a, a really good big, which is what you're going to need, you know, like a Miles Turner type, right? I mean, would you do – if? and I don't know if the money even matches, but would you do Jalen Brown and the Memphis pick for, for Miles Turner today? I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't think so. But I. I might be. I'm. I'm also the guy that didn't want to include him in a Kawhi Leonard trade when Kawhi, by the way, was still very uncertain. It wasn't you know Kawhi that we right. just you saw over the last Kawhi year. Would stay. Right. Right. You didn't think Kawhi would. Stay. I was the same way. I was like, I just don't think there's any chance Kawhi stays in Boston. So I'm not. I'm not giving anything really of of value for Kawhi Leonard at that point. Nobody thought this would happen, and he's probably going to stay in Toronto. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, to me, I'm not sure I do Jalen Brown in, in that I think that Mem- uh, the Memphis pick is going to have value in a couple of years if it becomes unprotected. So I'm not sure I'd do that either. All I'm saying is I would explore those type of trade scenarios if they're on the table for a good young big. And I'm not even sure the Pacers would do that trade. I, I have no idea. Uh, but, but, again, I think Gordon Hayward, if he's your number three guy and he – kind of slowly the pressure is off him to have to be an 18 point a game guy out of the gates which is what it was a week ago right a week ago we're thinking oh holy shit gordon's got to be the guy now along with tatum and that's two major ifs now you're saying all right we know Kemba can get 20 anytime he wants in a game Mm. and and now if gordon doesn't have it back quickly again if it's going to take you know, maybe he maybe he's more consistent, and, and it's one out of every three games that he's the old Gordon. And by the end of the year, it's one out of every two. Whatever it is, it, it at least gives them that luxury, that leeway, that they've got a guy like Kemba that you know can go for twenty. And if Gordon uh, shows up and and Tatum is Tatum, you got three dudes to me that are that are top. I don't know, thirty players in the league. Yeah, I mean, if ever, if everybody's right, yeah. I'm glad you brought it up because over over the last few days I've been 
thinking about it. I've been saying it. I've been tweeting it. The fact that and and Ainge was practically drooling when he was talking about how much flexibility and and all the options that that he had and the excitement about that. And we know how he feels about asset collection and everything. But I I just I'm with you, or at least maybe maybe I feel more strongly than you because you said you would dangle Brown and and see what's out there. I don't believe that Ainge is done. I think that a trade is coming. Doesn't mean it's Brown. But I don't see the Seas settling for the type of low-cost big that the Warriors have trotted out in recent years, to Marcus Cousins aside, because the rest of, of this core isn't Golden State. You know, you've got Walker, if it happens, Tatum, Hayward, and once again, we don't know for certain that he'll be Utah Hayward. Brown, smart. Right. Do you think yeah. that, that somebody, whether it's Brown, whether it's, you know, God forbid, smart, I think people would, would keel over if that happened, or even, you, you know— can't a, a, trade— well, to I, me, you can't trade Marcus Smart right now because you're you're going to lose Rozier and Marcus Morris. Right. Where's your toughness coming? Like I think Marcus Smart today is like untouchable hmm. for this team because of his toughness, because of what he brings to the table. So, let's say you even traded. Okay, let's say you traded Jalen Brown for a big, right? I mean, you could easily move Smart into the starting lineup sure. and play him with Kemba and go Kemba Smart in the backcourt. You know, Hayward more at the three. Tatum at the four, and then you're big. And then your starting five looks pretty damn good, depending on who that big is. You've got nothing I, on the bench. Just, well, your bench is what it is. You're yeah. right. I mean, your bench is what? Ty, you got Tice. I think Grant Williams is going to be a really good piece. I, I do. I, mm-hmm. I think Grant Williams can come right in and play 15, 18 minutes as a rookie. He's that mature. He's that smart on the court. He plays hard. Uh, everybody's going to love Grant Williams as a, as a second unit guy right now. No problem. Carson Edwards can get buckets. Uh, he can be good. He likes Caillou got... though. So I'm out on him. I didn't hear that. one. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He said, right. he said it's his favorite cartoon. He likes Caillou, a, a show oh, for two year olds. Oh, I hated that when I had to watch that. It's with the my, worst. My daughter was no, it's, it's banned in my house. That. It's it, no, it's banned. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't mean to take you off focus. It's just that irks me about Edwards. But but anyway, you've you've got those guys. You got Langford, obviously. If if he's and he should yeah. be healthy. Oh yeah, he'll be. And, and Romeo's got a lot of upside. Like to me, again, we don't know how much that injury hurt him. He, he's going to work. So the perimeter shot, the three point shot's going to get better. He never had to really focus on it because he could always get to the basket and score. I mean, he's just a bucket getter. So you've got guys that are unproven. In that second unit, other than what, Tice and, and, and Chemi? I'm trying to think who we're forgetting about. Anybody else? Robert Williams. <laughs> yeah, I, he's the ultimate wild card, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't – to me, Tice is, is is your second unit big. Like, he's – you know, Robert Williams is, again, who knows. Um, I think they're going to try to get a big with some girth to him. I, I, I think that's what Danny would like. But the problem is – uh, Brad wants a big that can step out and shoot it. So who wins that battle? I don't know. I think it's probably more of just who wants to come. They probably throw it out there to three, four guys, you know, starting with the Ennis, you know, Ennis Canners and you know, maybe, maybe Kevon Looney and Robin Lopez's of the world and see if any of them bite. But I think all of those get more money than the four point, what is it, 4.8? Yep. Yeah, I, I think you're probably looking at, you know, try to get a guy right off the bat and then kind of see what you can do after that in terms of maybe, you know, again, you see what, what Jalen Brown could bring. But you you may be looking at Ed Davis, you know, one of the older guys like a Tyson Chandler, a Joaquin Noah. Maybe you bring a Noah Vonley who's from Massachusetts back. But he, 
again, a lot of these guys, Costa Kufus. The other I mean, uh, that, New Orleans Noels out there now? I don't think they bring New Orleans back to Boston. Uh, for, there's too many red flags locally for New Orleans that I don't think New Orleans Noel comes back to Boston. Yeah, there are, like you said, there are plenty. Of, the, a guy that I uh, – Kylo Quinn's another option. Uh, a guy yeah. that I'd love, although I don't think they can afford him, Dwayne Dedman would be yeah, a, a great fit. He's going to go for more then. Yeah. He's pro- you know, the problem is there's so much damn money out there. Well, 40% that, of the league's a free agent. Right. So, like, they're going to overpay for for some of these guys. The high-end ones, like, Canner's going to get money. You know, he can score. He can rebound. He's not, he's not going for 4.8 a year. Somebody's going to overpay for Canner. Now, if you wait, maybe, again, enough of these guys, but then you run the risk of you don't get a guy you wanted at all. But, you know, if you wait, I, my guess is there'll be some guys late that waited out wanting more money and they're still around and everybody else is overpaid and maybe you can grab somebody late. But I don't think the Celtics are going to take that chance. I think they're going to try to get a big early uh, hit one quick. Uh, and, again, people are, are, may not be happy with, with that as your starting center, whoever it's going to be. But, again, your top four guys are as good as most in the NBA now. They are. I mean, you've got a chance. And, again, I just think Kemba, all the intangibles that, that Kyrie didn't have, and he's so much better than Isaiah Thomas, in my opinion. And the other thing we haven't talked about is defensively, he's way better than both those guys. I mean, Isaiah Thomas didn't really guard, and even if he wanted to, he couldn't. And then you got Kyrie, who was pretty much disinterested on the defensive end for the most part uh, throughout his time in Boston. Uh, Kemba's a above-average defender in a place where he's had to do everything in the offensive end in Charlotte. So I, I think, again, uh, that's a major win for this team, especially when you're losing Al Horford defensively. I mean, he, he just he shored up everything uh, and made sure everybody was in the right positions. Uh, I think now you're going to need – better and if you can put like Kemba and Marcus Smart out there defensively I think Hayward's going to be a lot better uh Tatum's still got a you know he's still got a ways to go but he's come a long way uh, from when I saw him in and you know AU and in college at Duke so you know I think the the key is going to be what do you want out of your big you know whatever big you sign here are you going after a canner type who can score and rebound or are you going to go after more of a of a defensive minded guy like you meant like a Kyle Quinn? Well, fans will be certainly refreshed to hear one thing about Walker from Calhoun here. He he values one thing over everything else. The reason Kevin Walker is going to go anywhere, if he goes anywhere from Charlotte, is going to be for one simple reason, to win. So he's going to do everything you mean possible to help the Celtics win. And I believe in Brad a great deal, and I certainly believe in uh, Kim that can help Brad and his teammates do that if he does come to Boston. Calhoun really lauded Walker's leadership like we've talked about, how well he will gel with Brad Stevens. So basically, and, and you said this before, he's, he's going to be the antithesis of everything everyone grew to hate about Kyrie Irving. But how... You know, even Walker aside, just if if put insert random name X into Max Slot, but a guy who actually justifies it, so not a Nick Vucevic. How important is it for Boston to make this signing to further squash the narrative that people don't want to play in Boston? And as you said earlier, the the new thing about Stevens having issues communicating with players. I think that's over. I mean, I think the you know when you when you got Horford. And then Gordon, I think it's kind of over. I mean, again, listen, certain guys aren't coming here. I mean, they're just not like you're not getting KD. I know they played the game with him years ago, but 
you know, KD's probably not coming here. He's We know he's probably going to New York, whether it's Brooklyn or, or, or the Knicks. But I think overall, for the most part, you know, so much of it just depends on, on the player and the situation. Who would have thought that Brooklyn would have a chance to get Kyrie Irving at the end of the day? It's just it, it kind of how it lines up at that time uh, with that specific player. And a lot of the, the elite-level players aren't going to – I mean, Steph Curry's probably never going to leave Golden State. Klay Thompson's probably never going to leave Golden State. Um, some guys are just kind of built for the franchises that, that they're already in, and, and they're comfortable in their own skin, and obviously those guys have won at a high level too. Again, I, I think it's more positive with Brad Stevens than anything. I don't think a bunch of guys uh, are out there killing Brad Stevens – uh, and that includes like a Marcus Morris who's on his way out or Al Horford on his way out. I don't think those guys are going to be killing Brett. Now, Kyrie might, and certain guys might listen to Kyrie, right? I mean, maybe Jimmy Butler and, and KD, you know, are listening, and, and they'd never come here. But I think it's, it's, it's at a, a, a low, low level. Do you think, based on all the guys that we have heard praise Brad, even after leaving, you know, Evan Turner certainly jumps out. That guy never stops talking about Brad Stevens yeah. in, in all the best ways. And and guys that are better than Turner's caliber as well of, of player. Isaiah Thomas loved him. Is, uh, is Brad a draw? I mean, so few coaches in the NBA are actually a draw. I mean, there are some that are better than others, but guys aren't necessarily, very rarely, going to a team because of the coach. Is Brad a draw, or is Brad just a, you know, a, a up-and-coming great NBA coach, hopefully. I don't know if he's a draw. I don't know how many coaches are a draw anymore, right? Like, how many guys in the NBA can you say are, like, going to get free agents? You know, it's it's the city, it's the franchise, it's the other players, it's the opportunity to either it's the money. win at a high level or, or get, you know, a, a, a huge role. You know, and I, I think, you know, for Kemba, it's probably a combination of things, right? I mean, a chance to win and get to the playoffs every year. Um, I think it's being close to home. You know, he's a, he's a New York guy, so you're closer to home. Um, you know, and, and obviously have a big role here. So everything's got to fit together. I, don't, I wouldn't say Brad's like a, a huge draw. If you're putting up Celtic sales pitch, hmm. I wouldn't say they start with Brad Stevens. I'd say they start with the franchise overall, the history of the franchise, the winning, and then the players that are there now, the young talent and kind of the future still. And that's that's the part that, that is kind of, I don't know. I, again, I mean, maybe I'm just overrating um, what people think of, of Jason Tatum because of how highly I think of him. And, and maybe it's hard because we don't know what Gordon Hayward is going to be. I, I think that's like the huge factor in all this, that Gordon Hayward has to be, um, close to what he was in Utah this year for the Celtics to have a shot of winning the East. You love Tatum. I love Tatum. Danny Ainge clearly loves Tatum. I, I think and hope Brad does as well. But are the C's after what we saw in year two, and, and it's not like that was just on Tatum in, in terms of him. I don't think he took a step backward. It's just he didn't take a step forward. He kind of, for one year, leveled off. That's no indication of what his potential is. It's just what last year was for a wide range of reasons we don't even need to get into because they've been discussed at, at so much length. But are the Seas happy with how Tatum is developing? Are they happy with his maturity? Is he is he putting in the work the way he needs to? I, I think he and, and Jalen Brown, if you talk to Micah Shrewsbury, who just left as an assistant coach, uh, he, he will tell me over and over that those guys worked. I mean, now are they going to? Are they going to play over the offseason? Yeah, of course. I mean, 
Jason Tatum just turned 21. Uh, you know, Jalen Brown's a young kid. They should have fun in the offseason, uh, but they should also be working on their games, especially knowing now what's to come, right? Like Jason Tatum, you got what you want now. You're going to be the guy or, or more of a guy uh, this year than you were. You're going to have a point guard that, to me, values winning and, and, and making your teammates happier more than Kyrie ever did. Uh, they're going to let you go. So you better work. And, I mean, the other thing that I would tell uh, Jason Tatum more than anything, and I haven't, but, I, you know, if I get a chance, I will, is like, listen, cut down on the, on the complaining of the refs and just play. Mm-hmm. I, I think that – and I don't know where that came from because that, that was new. That almost started a year ago in the playoffs a little bit where I was shocked uh, to see that from him because that's not him. That, that, that just – that really surprised me, but I think that's just – you know, the NBA these days. Anybody who's a star, what do they do? They bitch and moan and complain. Some of that um, Mamba mentality from all his time with Kobe, maybe? It might have been. I don't know, but it, it, it did surprise me, and I just feel like, just just play just play the game. Like, you're not there yet, and, and I'm not, again, I don't like when any of these dudes um, are on the reps all the time. I mean, I, I see it in college with, with the coaches, but the players don't say a damn word. Uh, but in the NBA – all these guys watch it. All the guys coming up, whether they're high school kids, college kids, they watch all the stars bitching and moan. And, you know, just tell me the last time that DeMarcus Cousins ever got a call. He never gets a call. Why? Because he won't stop bitching. Kendrick Perkins is the same way. Wouldn't stop bitching. Never gets a call. Like, I, I don't see how they don't watch and understand that. That refs don't want to deal with that shit. So just play the, play the game. What does Tatum need to do? Short of like you said, cutting down the bitching and moaning, what does he need to do in year two to to develop into that, that guy that we both believe he can be that we talked about earlier? What what steps does he need to take immediately if Kemba's here alongside Kemba, alongside Jalen, provided he's not traded, alongside Gordon, and, and with a, a more important role as a scorer than he absolutely had when Kyrie was here? I mean, obviously, you know, he told me he really wants the, the, the biggest thing that he's going to work on is, is just kind of one dribble, uh, you know, pull up and, and, and being able to shoot off the, off the dribble a little bit better than he has. For me, it's getting stronger. It's getting stronger and being able to finish through contact and, and not trying to avoid contact at times. Instead, go to the line. Get to the line. Just, just Again, you put on another 10 pounds. And I think it'll be a big difference for him. But I, I think we're going to see it. I think the part of his game that we really haven't seen because the Celtics have needed him to be a scorer. And really, listen, the first half of his, of his rookie year, all he was was to stick him in the corner and shoot threes. And nobody thought he could shoot threes as well as he did, probably including himself at that point. Then he became a scorer the second half of the year uh, when Kyrie went down. Um, but I, I think he's a guy that can facilitate – that can move the ball much better than people understand. You see it at times, uh, but not enough again because they've kind of deemed him a score and that's what they've needed from him. But I think once you get Hayward healthier and he's more comfortable with kind of who he is again and you get Tatum, again, more comfortable uh, and you're going up and down, I think the ball will move with these guys. I I really do. Now, again, you're going to lose Hortford, and that's going to really hurt in in that – uh, end of things, especially depending on what big guy you bring in. Uh, but, I, but I think Kemba's a willing passer uh, and will be with weapons around him. And I think, again, Hayward and Tatum 
two guys that can actually pass the ball. We know Hayward can, but I think Tatum has good court vision. And if he knows, I think the hardest part this year for, for Tatum and the other guys was if they got the ball, when they gave it up, they all felt like I'm not getting it back. So they forced shots that they shouldn't have forced. I don't know if you saw the article that uh, Jackie McMullen put out, and it was just this morning a little bit before we hopped on the line here. Just but, read it quickly. Yeah, yeah so, just read it quickly. And, and a lot of it quite and, – and Jackie's obviously great and, and awesome at, at, at what she does, at, you know, Hall of Famer. A lot of it, if you've kept up with the Celtics, as I know you have, but for anyone listening, a lot of it wasn't new. But one, you know, really interesting nugget in there – is about the young guys and and not mentioned by name, but maybe Tatum, maybe Brown, maybe Rozier, Smart, other who, who the hell knows? But just it said younger guys on the team talking about the it, it was in early January and the team had beaten I think it was the Pacers uh, in Indiana. They had a back to back on the road, flew in, got into the hotel after two a.m. on a Thursday, played Friday night in the wee hours of of that Friday morning, went out. And, uh, and and partied in South Beach. Kyrie Irving did not. In fact, he was irked by that. He took exception to it. And the team goes out and loses that game to the Heat. One, or did you already know that story? Were you familiar? And also, should there be ma- maturity concerns about some of these younger guys? Uh, pot, meat, kettle with Kyrie. Because um, my guess is the, the big knock on Kyrie in Cleveland was he'd love to go out and party. So maybe he was trying to say, I'm older now. I understand some of my mistakes. And, you know, that was part of the whole deal of, like, calling LeBron, right, after, you know, I was there in that post-game press conference when he said he called LeBron and, and, and told him, now I understand what you're going through. Well, what Kyrie didn't understand when he was doing that was he was throwing all the young guys under the bus. Um, I, I get how Kyrie was probably upset about that, but, you know, listen, this is something that goes on in the NBA. Uh, should the young guys go out the night before? No. Paul Pierce did it plenty. Um, guys in the NBA do it. Should they? Probably not. But, again, when you're in, in Miami, uh, when you're in some of these cities that you can go out and have fun, uh, when you're 21 years old or 20 years old in some cases, uh, you're going to do it. And uh, I'm not one, to again, to, to, to critique them on that. If they can play at a high level, um, and a lot of them, again, you, you go out, you can go out till three, four in the morning, right? You can sleep in till noon. It's not like they got to get up at eight o'clock like we do. They don't right. have to get up at eight o'clock. They can sleep till noon. Yeah, I'd love to get up at eight o'clock just to, for the for the sake of uh, correcting myself and, and accuracy. And, and I, I was in the ballpark anyway. But early January, they were home against Indiana, January 9th, as, as I look at the schedule, and then. Uh, got in early Thursday morning, played that game that night in Miami. So, again, the, the story's the same, but just if, if you yep. care about the opponents and, and the when and where, all that stuff. But a little more on Jackie's article I, I, and just Kyrie's future. I think the real money quote comes toward the end when she writes, At the completion of the regular season, the Celtics set up 100 balls in a room for charitable partners. Everyone signed them except Kyrie Irving. Pressed to do it. Team sources say he was neither aggressive nor confrontational. He merely said, no, I'm not interested in that. Was that the first, you know, obviously we're just finding that out now. The team has known it. Was that the first indication of, like, this guy quit. He's not coming back. We're we're going in a different direction. And I shouldn't even say first indication. There were plenty of indications before that. But was that kind of the, the nail in the coffin? Or is that just, I know people are, and rightfully, are going to come down on him for not doing something for charity. But it's bigger than that. The message it sends is so much bigger than that. 
No, that's just Kyrie. Like, like I read over that and I glossed over it. I'm like, yeah, that's Kyrie. Like, like that doesn't surprise me one bit. That, that's Kyrie. I mean, again, he's moody. Some days he can be unbelievably good, and you could talk to him, and he's great. And other days he is brutal to deal with. And, and that's the hard part of of from when I would talk to players and, and coaches on the team is like they never knew what Kyrie they were going to get. So it's like when you go in that locker room and you're dealing with them and you don't know, uh, it makes it awfully difficult um, to have that chemistry that you want to have where you're walking in and everybody's happy, everybody's smiling. Well, which Kyrie are we going to get? What what can I say to him? Can I say this? Can I joke around with him today? Uh, Is he smiling at all? So I think that was a hard part when that's your best player and that's your leader or your supposed leader. I mean, he's got no leadership skills whatsoever, but (laughs) – but he was supposed to be your leader. And Al Horford is not one. And Jackie made mention of this, and, and everybody kind of knows it. You know, Al's just Al. He's not going to stand up to Kyrie. That's not his personality. Um, Al just kind of does everything um, and, and hopes that, that people will kind of follow his lead, right? He, he's not doing it with words. He's doing it with actions. And Kyrie, unfortunately, didn't really respect Al or Brad Stevens, or anybody within the organization enough, when I, I felt like he would grow up in Boston. I felt like because of what happened in Cleveland and the image that was out there about Kyrie, that he would grow up. And I did feel like it was worth the risk for Danny Ainge. I mean, they weren't going anywhere more with Isaiah Thomas as your guy. Like, I hope people understand that. Yeah, they had reached their, their, their ceiling. Cap. Right. I mean, come on. Isaiah Thomas, he did a hell of a job, but when we look back at that team and that roster and where Brad Stevens got that group, it peaked. We're going to look back and be like, oh my God, that was one of the worst teams ever to get to the Eastern <laughs> Conference Finals. Ever. Seriously. Yeah, no, you, you may be right. Uh, and and one of the more beloved around here for uh, Celtics fans that, that just want to, you know, don't care whether the team wins, just want a team that's that's fun to watch. And I know there are a lot of yep. people that, have, that want, even independent of Kemba, even if whoever was coming in, they just wanted Kyrie gone. Screw the talent, screw the not getting anything for the asset. Who cares? We just want this guy gone so this team is enjoyable to watch again. So with that, you'll have that. You'll have that. Yeah. That's well, and, sure. and with a, a three-time All-Star coming in, reportedly anyway, we have to keep caging it with that. There are all these reports. Uh, most people believe Kyrie's going to the Nets, and it it made me laugh, by the way, when I heard Woj say the other night that that he's gravitating to the Nets because of the infrastructure and because of, yeah, right. of all the right. the role players and, and the yeah. fact that they can win games when he doesn't play. Like he basically just described a worse Boston. You know, it was, it was Celtics light, but nevertheless. The Nets are, are considered the favorite, and he's trying to pull Kevin Durant there. The Knicks are still in the mix, and, and KD reportedly wants to go there, and, and would Kyrie follow him there? And then, of course, there's now the Lakers are there with another max slot available, which I think would just be the, the most fraudulent of fraud moves, would be Kyrie going back to LeBron that quickly, riding his coattails, and doing it in a place where he's now not even the second, but a third option. So there are so many things wrong with that situation if he went to L.A., but it could happen. It's the NBA, and we know those two have mended fences. Where do you believe he's going to go when this is all said and done? Not L.A. I, I think it's done to Brooklyn. I think it's been done to Brooklyn. Uh, everybody that I've talked to that's that's close to the situation feels the same way. I just can't imagine a scenario where he deals with being the little brother uh, to LeBron again. And, and LeBron going up to him and 
you know, hey, little bro. Like, it's just not going to happen. Like, that's not, that's not what Kyrie wants. Kyrie, we all know that Kyrie's Robin and not Batman. Mm-hmm. Do you think Kyrie believes that? No. Hell no. <laughs> not, Hell no. Not in the least. Kyrie, Kyrie thinks he's the best player in the NBA. Like, seriously. He thinks he's the best. I mean, I remember at one point last year, I don't remember what it was, but I was kind of talking to him or looking over at him or something. And, you know, again, I've covered him since, you know, he's 14, 15 years old. So he looks over at me and, and I asked him something. And the response was, hey, Jeff, you know, I was born to do this. And I'm that just like, Sounds Man. like him. I mean, he's, he is a basketball genius. Right. I mean, just the comments that dude makes, he does not think like the rest of us that he can't lead a team. Now, again, KD certainly – I don't understand KD's deal. If KD goes and wants to play with Kyrie, like, honestly, you didn't want to play with Russ. You really want to play with, with, with Kyrie? I think they're similar in a lot of ways, right? They're both ball-dominant guys, tough to play with, uh, both moody. But the one thing I'll say about Russ, that dude, all he wants to do is win. Mm-hmm. All he wants to do is win games. He's going to give effort and, and, and be a killer. Um and, and, again, KD did not want to play with Russ at the end of the day. I don't know why he'd want to play with, with Kyrie, but it, it certainly looks like that's going to happen. And imagine him going to Brooklyn, KD following, and then there was, there was the report, I think it was Rick Buecher, but they, they're trying to recruit DeAndre Jordan to form this, this super team, as, as they put it. That wouldn't since, be... when is, since when is DeAndre Jordan, by the way, part of any super team yeah, that's, anymore? Like, yeah, that's, that's what on. I don't understand at all. They're, they're, it's, it's a whole mess of a thing. So let me ask you... And and we'll wrap this up soon, I, I promise. A, a couple of quick things just uh, about this team and the league as things stand right now, knowing full well so much can change in the coming days, which is why we're putting this out uh, when we are. The Warriors are dead, at least next year. The Lakers yeah. have LeBron and Anthony Davis need a third guy. Could be Kyrie. There's no bench. The Rockets, they're trying to add Jimmy Butler to retool. Over in the East... That'll it's, be awesome, it, by the way. Oh, I, I would. I'm great with that locker room. Oh, I mean, it needs to be like a basketball version of Hard Knocks. Like we, we oh, need to, we yeah, need awesome. to see the insider workings yes. of of that always. But uh, over in the East, it's all over the place because, regardless of what we think right now, the Raptors could lose Kawhi. The Sixers could lose Butler and or Harris. The Bucks could lose Brogdon and or Middleton. The Pacers are going to get Oladipo back. Who knows? Maybe they, they're a, a dark horse for Horford. The Nets and Knicks, again, both in pursuit of, of Irving and Durant, among others. It's all insane. Do you believe the Seas, as things stand now, again, with Walker in the fold and, and some mystery low-level big, is this group a contender in the East? So give me a team in the East other than Philly that has a top three that's better than Kemba, Tatum, and and again, I'm I'm predicating all this on the, that Gordon's going to take and be, be closer be Utah, to what Gordon yeah. was. Right. So give me Milwaukee may lose Malcolm Brogdon, which is going to be significant. Oh, by the way, I, I know they've got Giannis. And listen, I think Kawhi's going back to Toronto, so I would have Toronto as the clear favorite. Okay. So so having said that. I think the Celtics are in the equation for the second-best team uh, in the East. Uh, Philly certainly has Embiid, but you never know what Embiid's going to be health-wise. Ben Simmons hasn't gotten any better shooting the basketball. Unless he does, 
I don't know how they take the next step. And I don't think they keep both Tobias and Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy Butler's gone. I don't think they even want Jimmy Butler back, to be honest. There's a, there's a large contingent I know in Philly that has no desire uh, for Jimmy Butler to return there. I, I think Jimmy Butler, if you're asking me now, like the best case scenario for somebody to end up in the Lakers, I, I still think it's Jimmy Butler at the end of the day. I know they're going after Kawhi. I think Kawhi stays in Toronto. My best guess is the Lakers end up with somebody like Jimmy Butler as their third guy, and he won't be happy there as the third guy, but he, he won't be happy in Philly as the third guy. So I, I think, again, I think Philly takes a step back. I think Milwaukee could take a little bit of a step back, depending on what happens with Brogdon here. And I think Toronto is the clear-cut favorite, obviously, if Kawhi returns. And then it's wide open, and I like the Celtics' chances, depending on who they fill out this roster with. And that's going to be a key. Like you said, you're going to need somebody in that second unit to anchor it because right now you've got too many kind of what-ifs and too many role guys. And, you know, you're, you're, you're probably asking Grant Williams and Carson Edwards and, and Romeo Langford to do way too much as a rookie group, and, and all of them aren't going to be ready. Yeah, not, not even close. That's the only reason that, and we won't revisit it, we talked about it, but that's the only reason that I, I wondered about just is Kemba the right move for the sake of balance and as opposed to distributing your money around a little bit. I do wonder if, and I don't know all the salary cap ramifications, what you can and cannot do, so I'm, I'm spitballing, as many others are in this very specific regard, with Philly and Houston obviously talking and wanting that third team and knowing Danny Ainge's history and jumping into those situations to add assets and and doesn't mind helping to facilitate. Hell, he helped Cleveland get both Kevin Love and LeBron the last time around. I wonder if he would try and, and wiggle his way into that, move some things around, try and pull Clint Capella. Listen, if you can if you can add a Clint Capella somehow and, and get rid of picks, and I just I mean, are you trading Jalen Brown and, and picks for Clint Capella? Well, and, and that's what you would have to do. Whether you want to do it or not is another story, but that that's what you would have to do. But at least you know you're getting a 25-year-old big who's really good, getting better by the year, and he's on a good contract for the next few years. I would much rather. You're telling me, give me Miles Turner, especially for Brad's system. Sure. Right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's I get where, that. again, you've got to look at it. Is does Clint Capella really fit Brad Stevens' system? Yes, he gives you rim protection. Yes, he, he gives you a guy who can who can roll to the basket on the offensive end and finish. But is he ideal for Brad Stevens' system? I say no. I, I'd much rather have a Miles Turner, a guy that's multidimensional, that can protect the rim. He can finish, but he's he's super skilled for a big guy. So, like, to me, again, that would be my target. But, again, I'll go back to it. I don't think Kevin Pritchard's in any, in any uh, you know, rush to get rid of Miles Turner. My only other question about just the the Celtics and and what's clearly the end of of an era that we all thought was going to be incredible and and never got off and running, you know, a a window that stayed open for five minutes and 15 seconds, because I've just been thinking about this a lot. Which do you think was more devastating, more devastating to the potential Celtics dynasty that we all expected to see that 10 year run of contention? Well, well let, well, let me ask you: Was it was it the Hayward injury and and subsequent failure to to be what we all wanted him to be in year two, and and obviously all the turmoil that followed, or was it Boston's playoff run in 2018 without Hayward and Irving and all those egos and everything getting way too big for the younger guys and the failure to buy in in year two? Because you could argue well, either case. But but Hayward came first, so True. to me, I guess yeah. I go that Chicken way. Chicken and egg, yeah. Like, if if Hayward doesn't get injured, Jason Tatum 
never experiences what he did uh, the second half of, of, of his rookie year, um, really, when Kyrie got hurt. That's but, a good point. But ultimately, if, I, I always said that. Like, when Hayward went down that night, I couldn't tweet it because it, it wasn't the right thing to do. You couldn't tweet what I wanted to, which is, all right, now this is going to give Jason Tatum a chance to really shine and, and be Jason Tatum. It, it, it didn't look good. I couldn't tweet it that night because, again, the guy just went through a devastating injury. But that was like my third or fourth thought overall after watching Hayward go down. And mm-hmm. and I think if Hayward is still Gordon Hayward, uh, yeah, I don't think we're, we're in this position because I do think, as we've seen in multiple reports, um, that the Hayward dynamic absolutely played in to the chemistry of this team being fractured. I think Kyrie was probably, if you're, if you're doing a pie chart, Kyrie probably takes the biggest part of it. And, again, it's hard because you don't want to blame Gordon Hayward or Brad Stevens. Like, any of us human would, would, would try to bring Gordon along and understand that for, for a variety of reasons, uh, you want to give him minutes. Number one, because you're a human being, and Brad Stevens is about as elite of a human being as I've ever met doing this job. And number two, because you realize, well, we're probably not going to have a chance to, to compete at the highest level unless we get Gordon Hayward back to what he was. And the only way to do that is to give him a lot of minutes. So, you know, you can't fault him for it. But ultimately, yes, the Tatums, the Jalen Browns, the Marcus Morrises, those guys were obviously looking at it at times and saying, why the hell is he out there right now? It should be me. I, I should be getting those minutes. He's not ready. Last thing for you, because, again, I've kept you way too long and you've been way too patient with me. The Celtics are adding uh, a couple assistants this year that have not, I don't think either one's been formally announced, but we know. Uh, Joe Mazzulla out of the college ranks and has spent some time in the D-League at Maine. And Carol Lawson, even more notably, WNBA star for a dozen years, Olympic gold medalist and ESPN and Wizards analyst the last few years, who's been uh, looking, not, not maybe actively because she has spoken with other NBA teams in the past and didn't pull the trigger, is now jumping onto an NBA bench. And there are four women assistants now in the National Basketball Association, which is, you know, these these are the pioneers, which is terrific. But even independent of that story and, and its significance, adding Lawson, adding Missoula to this bench, to this staff, as opposed to, and, and replacing Micah Shrewsbury, who you've mentioned a couple of times, as opposed to adding it doesn't even have to be this Better. guy, but a yeah, but a, a but a, but a Kendrick Perkins type, right? A veteran yeah. player who who maybe you know what Walter McCarty was for this staff for for years that they didn't have last year that maybe would have helped Kyrie and some of those vets you know held in check like Carol Lawson, Joe Mazzulla. These people are not going to put NBA veterans in check when their egos run amok. Are these the right moves? What did you expect? Well, number one, uh, if Walter McCarty was there, do you really believe Kyrie would have listened to Walter McCarty or any player? Sure, for the most part. sure. I mean, you bring in like Kobe or somebody like that, maybe he would have listened to him. But no, no former player that you're bringing in, whether it was James Posey, Kendrick Perkins, Walter McCarty. I mean, maybe again, maybe Kyrie would have been scared of Kendrick Perkins <laughs> physically, you know, physically. Yeah, uh, but but ultimately, no, I don't think anybody. So. I know both these these uh, people very, very well. Um, I'll start with Carol Lawson because nobody helped me more at ESPN than Carol Lawson. Nobody was more receptive to me. Actually, the first time I ever did sideline, it was a UMass LSU game, and Carol Lawson was the analyst. 
And I was like, oh, I don't like, I don't know how to do side. I've never done sideline before. And after that day, again, nobody was better um, at helping me and trying to help me than Carol Lawson. Um, unbelievable person. And I've spent a lot of time around her. She knows her shit. I mean, she is better than 99% of the men out there, period. Like, I don't care, woman, men, whatever. Like, Carol Lawson knows hoop. I, I've spent so much time talking to her about whether it's, you know, if I've got a question about women's college basketball, the Wizards the last couple of years, I would call her. Men's hoops, obviously, we talked a ton about. Um, and she hadn't covered men's college hoops for the last couple of years when she, she did her Wizards job. But, um, no, she, she's an incredible basketball mind, uh, an unbelievable player who can connect with people. Uh, and anybody on the Celtics who's got a problem with, with Carol Lawson being a woman, um, that's going to be remedied really, really quickly because she knows more than, uh, again, almost everybody that I've ever talked basketball with. So that, that's number one with Carol Lawson. To spell any of those bullshit things about her being a woman uh, is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, number two, Joe Missoula. Another one I've known forever since he came out of high school, uh, Bishop Henderson in, in, in Rhode Island, West Virginia. I actually had lunch with him a couple of years ago. I was doing a game in Oklahoma, West Virginia game in Morgantown, and uh, and he was there. He, he was working uh, as a coach at a, a Division II school right around the corner from Morgantown. So I've known Joe for a long time, too. Uh, another guy who just kind of gets it, right, made the most of his ability in, in – college you could always see he was going to be a coach down the road very very cerebral um very good with connecting with people and again no he doesn't have that big name or that reputation but i don't think this team needs that again i don't think this team needs kendrick perkins or james posey or somebody like that when you bring in a kemba walker he's going to listen he's coachable jason tatum is coachable um, you know, I just, Gordon Hayward is coachable. All these guys, you know, Marcus Smart, as tough as he is and hard-headed in some ways, he's going to, he wants to be coached. He wants to get better. So I don't, I don't think he needed somebody with a big name or a big persona or any of that. I think he got two really good people and good basketball minds who, again, are high character, know the game, and deal with people well. Well, I'm joined by a uh, high-character, good basketball mind who operates well with people, and uh, you know everything that you just said to describe them certainly applies to Jeff Goodman. Jeff, thank you very much again. Uh, I appreciate uh, all the time here, and there is it's, it's going to be a fascinating coming days, obviously, with the start of NBA free agency, and and like I said earlier, and and I think you tend to believe as well, Celtics clearly are not done, and I'm thinking even beyond the minor moves. I, I don't think Danny Ainge is done, but Kemba Walker is a hell of a first start. So thank you. No, thanks for having me, Adam. Appreciate it, and uh, you do a great job, and we'll talk soon. Ton there, but I hope you enjoyed it from Jeff. we got to get out of here. We've been running long, and plus, you know, the longer we take to get the show out, the more things that are going to break in the NBA Twitter sphere that we haven't uh, discussed on this show. So let's rush to get this thing done and out. It's brought to you by betonline.ag. Go to clnsmedia.com slash Celticsbeat. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your next deposit. Thanks again to Jeff, my producer, Evan Valenti. Thanks to Nick, Larry, John, everybody at CLNS Media. Most of all, thanks to you. Sorry, there will not be a Sunday show. That's why we're dropping today. Give you a couple of days to really 
digest everything and and all that is out there ahead of the start of Sunday's NBA free agency at 6 p.m. and then right back into it next week to reflect and react on a lot of what has happened. Something tells me this Celtics roster is going to look a little bit different than it already projects it will. I'm excited. This is going to be fun. Once more, I'm not certain that the Kemba Walker move is the right one, but I get why the Celtics are doing it, and I get why all of you are excited about it, and I'm certainly not down on it. I'm just not wholeheartedly convinced yet. I'm I'm riding the fence with it, frankly, is what it is. So what a way to go out. Thanks again for tuning into Celtics Beat. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, everywhere else. I'm Adam. Follow me on Twitter, at Adam M. Kaufman, and let's get on out of here. Play us out, Gino. Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcasts or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.